Hello, you're listening to Women in Audio, a podcast series brought to you by professional audio magazine, ProSound News Europe. I'm Tara Lepore, ProSound's staff writer, and in each episode I'll be joined by ProSound News' editor, Dan Gumbel, to bring you interviews with some amazing women in the industry, working in radio, broadcast and in the studio. Like today's guest, the award-winning record producer, mixer and engineer Catherine Marks, who has credits on so many acclaimed and brilliant albums, most recently being St Vincent's Mass Seduction from 2017 and The Big Moon's Love in the Fourth Dimension. Catherine spoke to us about what a typical working day looks like for her, plus how she got into the industry and the records that inspired her to become a producer. So here's the episode. If you enjoy it, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitter at PSN Europe and visit our website, psneurope.com. Thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoy it. So today we're here at Maloko's Assault and Battery Studio in Northwest London to speak to the brilliant producer, mix and engineer, Catherine Marks. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Hi, <laughs> uh, Thanks so much for speaking to us uh, today uh, for our podcast series. Um, if we could just start by kind of, if you could just briefly talk about what you do, uh, what you do in your day-to-day kind of working life. <laughs> well, this, this, no. <laughs> um, well, when I'm in London, I'm usually based here where we are now. So we're currently in Studio Dave, um, which is my little cupboard. Um, where I do mixing. Um, upstairs um, is a big tracking and recording room um, and I normally sort of uh, record albums there. Um, and I guess, gosh, I mean, my day today, well, like the last few days has been, I've been doing some uh, radio edits for a band that I worked with um, in America called Manchester Orchestra. So that's like getting up early, reading emails to make sure I can reply before they go to bed or staying up late to have conversations with them. Um, I'm also preparing some tracks um, for mix that I did uh, with a band called Sunset Suns in France a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So that's what I'm doing today, (laughs) supposed to be doing today. (laughs) How do you divide your time up? Obviously you're a producer, a mixer, an engineer. Do you find that you have a kind of even split of of those disciplines or do you tend to do more of one than the other or what are you doing at the moment uh, uh, besides those projects that you just it's sort mentioned? of weird like the last the last few weeks has been literally everything whereas normally it's kind of it is more concentrated in uh i'll do an i'll produce an album have a break from producing mix someone else's production you know mix a record and then I'll go, oh, I really miss production again and go mm. back to making another record. Um, but the last couple of weeks it's been mixing one day, recording the next kind of, and also like doing, overseeing like another project and yeah, it's kind of, mm. um, it's been nuts. But I think like creatively I prefer it when I can focus on one thing, I guess. Mm. So get my head into kind of production mode or get my head into to mixing mode because they are kind of the different heads mm. for me anyway. Do you, do you find that sometimes people will want you to kind of undertake all of those different tasks when when you're when you're working with an artist or a band or whatever or do they also quite like to have different people doing 
through those different jobs? The last few projects that I've done, like with the Amazons, for example, I, um, I really wanted someone else to mix it. But in the end, it kind of was right that I mixed it. Um, partly because the way we recorded it was kind of how we wanted it to sound anyway. Um, I think, yeah, so it was kind of, after we'd finished recording, it was like, okay, they sound amazing. They only need like, you know, an extra 10%, 20%. You know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. And that was kind of a natural progression. Same with Manchester Orchestra. We were kind of leaving it open to see how we felt. Like sometimes you're really close to it and you want someone else to take it a bit further. But again, we recorded that the way we wanted it to sound. So it was just inching it a little, you know, ever so slightly. But that's also the way that I record as well. I record things the way I want them to sound at the end, always like imagining the kind of bigger picture and and the uh, overall sonic spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so when you um, when you started out, what like how did you start out and what was the first kind of hat you wore? Was it as a, was, did you start as an engineer or how did you kind of start in your career? I started down the hall okay. working for Flood. Um, I, I got off a plane and he was mixing an AHA record uh, and I walked in and um, I, d- I think I, was, I wasn't sure what to expect but I didn't, because I had never had an experience working in studios, I didn't, um, you know, I just thought, oh, you walk in and like suddenly you start making records Obviously, that is not the case at all. So I started making tea <laughs> and uh, tidying the studios and, and just kind of learning by watching, really. Um, I mean, that's pretty much how I started. And then working for particular producers as an assistant or runner. Was there a moment where you decided that you know, studio work was, was the area that you wanted to get most closely involved with? Was there like um, an album or a record or anything that you heard that kind of... Do you mean before I started? Yeah, yeah. When you were when you were younger, was there a, a pivotal moment where you decided, okay, I I would really like to pursue a career kind of behind the desk, working in the studio? Unbelievably, yes. Because when I lived in Melbourne, I studied architecture and I worked as an architect. <clears throat> but I studied music at school, and I always wanted to have a career in music. But at school, I, they didn't really kind of say these are the options and working in a studio was I mean I had no idea that that was possible but um, when I met Flood before I started um, he had suggested why don't you when you go back to Australia go and join some bands and stuff which I did and I was recording an album with one of the bands that I was in with one of the bands that I was in and um, the engineer no that's right they um, basically they thought my my uh, education on um, contemporary music was pretty rubbish so they had an intervention and sat me down and, and played on like this big projector some Rolling Stones and Stone Roses um, documentaries and I was like oh my god what is that sound that makes it sound like it's in a really big room and the engineer was like that's reverb and I was like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I literally went home that night and I, I'm pretty sure the internet was invented then but I, and googled uh or Yahoo or whatever, what reverb was. And it just, like, I was like, oh, my God, this so, it's amazing that one, like, simple thing can be, like, this. there's so many kind of different kinds of reverbs. And I'm sure that at that point I was like, okay, this is something I could definitely be interested in. But it was also just being involved in making records that I was interested in, I think. 
but having not ever worked in studios I didn't understand what was involved and it wasn't until I actually moved over here and started you know assisting that I you know even as like in a really minor role was just really interested in the process and learning and every day is so different mm. and how did you get from that point you know realizing that when you heard that reverb for the first time that this is <laughs> this is the path that you wanted to pursue um, and then working with Flood and how did you move from there to, to the point you're at now what was the what was the traje- trajectory um, of your career? You mean like from my first day working with Flood yes. to now? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think it just sort of happened naturally I think there would there were various periods early on when I was working with people who were songwriters and producers and I thought, okay, I've got to re- get really good at that. Um, then uh, I thought, oh, maybe I just want to do songwriting. And then I started working with Alan Mulder, who's an amazing mixer, and he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I have to be good at everything. And he said, well, why don't you just for me imagine that you're going to be a mixer? And it was like a really kind of interesting perspective because it made me really focus on that and prior to working with him I'd never really been involved in the mixing process so and mixing is about finishing something and realizing something and the attention to detail as well as like realizing some sort of emotional or trying to convey some sort of emotion Um, so in doing that I guess it taught me how to yeah finish projects and um, and then I started to get other mixed projects through that. But then I started to get asked to produce projects for bands that I had mixed previously. And that then that made me a better producer because I then knew how I wanted it to sound at the end and knew what needed to be done. I sort of suddenly kind of understood each part of the process, I guess. Is that a good, is that does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um. Would you would you say that I mean, having worked with so many different bands and so many different kind of studios and settings, that you find sometimes that you might be the only kind of woman working, uh, maybe like behind the desk or something? And did you have if so, like, was there like a kind of moment when you when that kind you kind of really realised that and it kind of or only that because people keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ne- it's never been an issue for me and I've been very lucky that uh, and I know that yes they are men who have mentored me but uh, they've always been incredibly encouraging and supportive it's never been oh you're a woman you know you've got to like watch out a bit you know or you've got to try harder if anything I felt like I had to try harder or work harder yeah because you just kind of said that you you felt like you should be good at doing everything yes exactly yeah but I think that a lot of guys you know there was a period in the industry where you did have to kind of be able to understand every part of the process and you know that the the shift in roles had to be quite fluid so I don't think that was specific to me being a woman it was more just I didn't know what area of the industry I wanted to or should be focusing on. Since since you started working in the industry have you noticed any sort of change in the in the balance of men and women working in the industry and working behind the desk? Yeah, I, I thought about this this morning because I was thinking about with the MPG Awards this year a lot of women have been nominated for mm. awards and I I was thinking, well I mean, 
Music Producers Guild are incredibly encouraging and supportive of women in the industry. But also I think it's a, a sign of, it's just that a lot of women started at a particular point and they're now at that stage of being recognised with awards. So it's not like, oh, suddenly the industry is supporting women. I think it's just there was a bunch of women who started at a particular point and we're now all kind of working our way, our way up. I think it's like a really good shift in the industry because I don't... I'm sure it was like a... It's kind of like social conditioning that all women just never wanted to get into the industry or something and now that has changed... Uh, rather than it being some, uh, you know, the dude saying we don't want any women around. Hmm. So, do you think it would have been um, when you when you were making your first steps in the industry to have had someone, uh, a woman in the kind of position that you're in now, would that have helped you in any way? Do you think that could be more inspiring for people now, uh, particularly young women when they're trying to to make their first steps in this industry? The fact that there are more women in prominent studio roles. Is that something that's only going to help future I, generations? I think so. And also focusing on the women who are doing well as well, like, you know, women who are inspiring and will inspire other women to to be involved. But there was there was one woman who, she was a songwriter, um, and I worked with her a little bit through another producer. Um, and I remember... Um, I sort of, I probably was going through a phase of, ah, oh, this is really hard. How am I going to like make the next step? And um, it was late one night, and she was just about to leave, and I was like, how, how did you know? How did you become so successful? She's like, just put your bloody head down and work really hard. Like mm. that's it. And I was like, oh okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, I mean, I guess I was sort of using the angle of, you know, as a woman, how do you, you know? But she was like, it's, it doesn't matter, you know. Just, just do what you want to do and be really good at it, basically. Yeah. Which good is advice. really good advice for everyone, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what would you say are some have been some of the kind of high points throughout your career? Oh, um, <laughs> I think the last few years have been awesome. Have, having sort of got more confidence in what I do makes the experience more in. Enjoyable. So the last few years, the records that I've made, I'm, I feel really proud of. But also the process has been amazing. Like actually waking up and rocking up to the studio and working with artists who I love and, you know, creatively um, and personally get along with and um, have really similar visions. And also the, you know, the management and the record labels that I've got to work with, just kind of creating these really cool relationships with these people and having very similar ideas and philosophies about about you know what kind of records we want to make those have I mean that's sort of my highlight I guess I feel really lucky to be doing what I'm doing now and feeling good about it you know there was like a period before that where it'd be a little bit um, sensitive or paranoid that I couldn't listen to any other records uh, that other people had made because I was constantly comparing what I was doing to that and thinking it didn't measure up. Um, I'm not saying it does now, but I, I feel better and I'm enjoying the music that I'm making and the people that I'm working with. When you worked with some some very, very cool artists last year, you know, there were some records that, that did really well. Obviously, there was the Big Moon album, which was 
uh, Mercury Prize nominated, yes. and uh, the St Vincent album, which was widely kind of acclaimed as as her best release to date. What were your highlights from last year? Were there any particular records you worked on that, that have stood out for you for a particular reason? Um, I mean, yeah, well, the Big Moon record, that was so fun to make. We did that in seven days, um, basically in seven days, at this really cool studio just down the road. And the girls were just awesome because we all, and the record label were awesome. We knew we'd had like a really short amount of time. So we were like, okay, well, all we can do is have fun and like hope something sort of moderately okay kind of comes out the other end. But it was, it kind of exceeded all of our expectations. Um, but it was just every day was really fun. Mm. There was no kind of stresses. We dressed the studio up like, because I was supposed to be on holiday, I think. I cancelled a holiday. So I brought in some lays and some blow-up flamingos and palm trees and we had some disco lights and we basically just made it a, like a seven-day <laughs> Bahamian holiday in West That's London. brilliant. Yeah. It definitely comes across on the album because it's such a fun record. Yeah. Um, and every, I mean, everything with that band, you know, from the videos to the sound of that album to the live performances, it it does feel like a band that are just having a great time doing what they're doing. And that really comes across yeah. in, in the sound of of that album. Was that something you were quite keen to, to capture as well? Yeah, I mean, that was the, that was sort of the goal. Like, how, how do you capture their personalities and the energy of them playing onto record? <clears throat> a bit of luck and a, and a bit of sort of orchestration and amazing production skills. Um, no, yeah, no, totally. That was that was absolutely into the intention. And they were all up for anything as well. And also we had, we'd set out kind of really clear sonic goals for each song as well. Um, so how we wanted everything to sound, how we wanted everything to feel. And then we kind of got in that mindset, stuck them in a room, got them to play it over and over again until that like feeling kind of came through. I did another podcast with the girls where they were like, you know, it'd be like take 20 and then you'd go just one more time and then and we knew that you'd be lying. I actually get told that a lot. <laughs> Catherine, one more time, Marks. <laughs> um, what what um, tips or advice could you give to someone who's just starting out in the industry in the sort of climate it's in now um, if they wanted to be a producer? Where, where could they start? Um, I've read some interviews where some other girls have suggested not like interning in studios okay but um like you know uh some people have like studied engineering or whatever but i mean my experience was basically being a runner and yeah um and an assistant and for me that was kind of the best way to learn because while the technical stuff is really important it's mostly kind of dealing and managing personalities and um, dealing with and managing personalities, um, I think. So it's about understanding the studio dynamic, and I don't know that you can learn that in a classroom or by being by yourself, but it also depends what you want to do. I mean, I deal with, I work with bands. I don't make my own music. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of personalities that you need to learn how to kind of manage and to then coax out like a really awesome performance and then to also realise their kind of dream and deal with their fears, etc. And then also juggling like the pressures of like the management and the record label 
I guess when you're looking for a producer or a mixer or engineer, you shop around like it for any service and you people will suit each other better than others I guess um, so I think that's the same for how you start out as well like I mean I wish the technology had been available for me you know years ago and maybe I could have taught myself how to use Pro Tools I didn't know how to use I didn't know how to record anything I mean like the first time I hit Apple spacebar was like I think six months into working over here um, and even then like kind of learning how to use the software took me a long time um, so had I had access to that to be able to teach myself mate that would probably be have been useful there's so many other things I mean like learning on the job is just the best way I mean I'm still learning stuff mm. so I guess your advice would be to kind of like just contact lots of studios, I guess. And start oh, there. okay. That's sorry, kind of that, what the wasn't very clear. Yeah, I think. I mean, we've got someone at the moment who she came in for two days, and now just she just keeps turning up, and she's amazing. Everyone loves her, and she's just and helping out. And um, the more we sort of get to trust her and know her, the more we'll ask her to do things, you know, that require a bit more responsibility, I guess. Um, but then I know other um, people who have, you know, studied engineering and then come into like a higher position because of their kind of knowledge. But so their assisting time might be a little bit shorter. Um, so yeah, I think there are lots. There are still lots of great studios, but also contacting producers. A lot of producers need um, assistance, um, or make your own music. And then, you know, other bands might want to come and work with you. And, you you know, you learn kind of as you go. Like Chris, um, who plays guitar in Amazons, he's becoming an amazing producer and engineer. But the way he's doing it is he's sort of bought his own kind of little setup and he records his friends' bands just, and you know, free just to teach himself. And then the, so that's, a, that's another good way to do it too. So what, what do you have coming up next? What's, um, what's next on your your list of projects? Um, what am I doing? So I'm mixing more Manchester Orchestra. Um, actually, it's like a lot of a lot of bands that I've already worked with again. So I'm also working with the Amazons again. Um, I'm working with the Sunset Suns again. Um, and then there's a few other cool little projects on the horizon. And working with um, Ed O'Brien as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks that's... for speaking to us. No it was lovely to talk much. to you. Thank you.